RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines, residents of Yaomate and Jordan are on edge following reports of a looming lockdown in the COVID-hit area. Authorities confirm another 61 coronavirus cases, 24 of which are residents of Yaochimong, and RTHK terminates the contract of journalist Nabella Koza as it continues a probe into her conduct. District councillors representing Yao Chim Mong are demanding clarification from the government over whether it will impose a partial lockdown on the COVID-19 hit district after a day of swirling rumours that some people could be confined to their homes unless they have proof of a recent negative COVID test. But authorities have neither confirmed or denied this. Councillors say this has caused confusion, anxiety and dismay among many residents who've been tearfully asking them what to do. Many businesses shut for the entire day. One district councillor, Frank Ho, says some people have been leaving altogether. We see that many many of the residents, if they have some alternatives or some other places to live, they, they will try hard to live in uh, these two weeks. But infectious disease expert Leung Chi Chu says the lockdown in Yao Mong wouldn't achieve much at this stage. He says the authority should instead expand the scope of mandatory coronavirus tests. Imposing a lockdown now is pointless because those who need to be tested have already been tested. If you miss one or two cases, that wouldn't make much difference to the overall infection situation in Hong Kong. A leading microbiologist is recommending the partial evacuation of a residential building in Jordan after at least 10 people from five different units were confirmed with COVID-19. Priscilla Ng reports. Of the five affected flats, four face the same direction. After inspecting the residential building, Kensington Plaza on Paka Street, microbiologist Yun Kwok-kyung said it appears that the virus may have been transmitted through broken sewage pipes or possibly gotten sucked up via an updraft. As such, he recommended all residents living in flat C to leave as a precaution. At the same time, residents of several more residential blocks in the Yaochimong district have been ordered to undergo mandatory testing after at least one confirmed case was reported from each of the buildings. Mandatory testing orders have also been issued for four residential blocks in Chengguanou, Yunlong and Chaiwan. A significant proportion of new COVID-19 infections continue to be of residents in Yaochimong. 24 of 61 new cases live there. 55 cases were locally acquired, with 26 considered untraceable. Health officials also said there were more than 50 preliminary positive cases. The RTHK program staff union says RTHK reporter Nabella Koza has had her current civil service contract terminated and she's been offered a new 120-day contract on civil service terms. Ms Koza's grilling of officials, including the chief executive, during the 2019 protest led to complaints as well as praise, but she was cleared by the director of broadcasting after an initial probe. The investigation was then relaunched last October and her civil service probation extended until the end of this month. The union said Ms Koza's years of service and MPF contributions would not be carried over into the new contract and she had until next Thursday to decide whether to accept. The union's chairwoman, Gladys Chu, says Ms. Koza was effectively sacked. I think this extension comes as a surprise, but it's also an insult to RTHK staff who has been upholding their professionalism all along. I believe no staff should be treated this way. 
only given seven days of notification about an extended deadline of a termination of employment, in fact. And whatever procedures that the management try to adopt, in fact, this is in turn a termination of employment. The Journalists Association has condemned the termination of Ms Koza's contract, saying the move is a kind of premature punishment. The association stressed a journalist's role is to find out the truth, and he or she is bound to have to ask tough questions in the process of doing so. Police said they've arrested seven people for their suspected involvement in an investment scam involving $110 million. Officers said the seven have allegedly duped at least 182 victims into investing in projects involving low-risk but attracting high returns, such as setting up elderly care homes. They say the alleged scammers actually commenced work on some projects to make them seem legitimate and gave the investors tours of these sites. The alleged victims were told they'd become company directors and could enjoy returns of up to 70%, the force said. You're listening to RTHK. The time is just after five minutes past 11. Lawmakers have overwhelmingly endorsed a motion of thanks for the Chief Executive Carrie Lamb's policy address. All but two councillors supported the motion. DAB legislator Holden Chow says with almost all opposition lawmakers having left the council, the vetting process this year was very smooth. We don't want to waste the time on the filibustering. Of course, some of my colleagues, of course, would provide advice. They might also criticise the policy advice, but I think we don't do it in a very obstructive manner. We don't do it that way. So uh, I could understand that people would perceive that things return to normal and it seems that it's more smooth. But at the same time, I believe that uh, government will listen to what sort of advice or criticisms we provide during the debate. Hong Kong's sole representative on the National People's Congress Standing Committee, Tam Yu Chung, says local deputies to the MPC have written to the central government asking it to deliver COVID vaccines manufactured by mainland drug company Sinopharm to Hong Kong. The government has so far secured vaccines from three firms, not including Sinopharm. It says the vaccines are more than 70% effective, although this has not been scientifically verified. A pro-government healthcare workers group and four unions in the medical sector say a survey they've carried out suggests local healthcare staff prefer the mainland-made Sinovac vaccine over those developed overseas. The survey was carried out just before late-stage clinical data on the vaccine was released by Brazil, showing it has an efficacy rate of just over 50%. Despite having insufficient data, respondents said they favoured Sinovac because it's made in a more conventional way, using inactivated virus. Dr David Lamb is from Medical Conscience. Maybe doctors and nurses are kind of more conservative people, so they choose something they know well, and they choose something with complications and adverse effects that they can handle and they know very well. So I think that's probably the reason why more people chose the inactivated virus technology. So I I wouldn't really put too much emphasis on the branding of these vaccines, but rather the technology behind. European countries say delays in the distribution of the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus jab are causing hold-ups in their vaccination programs. The BBC's Guy Hedgeco is in the Spanish capital. 
Madrid and its surrounding region have temporarily stopped vaccinating healthcare personnel, with the local government citing a shortage of doses of the Pfizer vaccine. Germany's most populous state, North Rhine-Westphalia, is halting vaccinations due to the Pfizer delays. Other German states have also seen their vaccination plans interrupted. Several Italian regions have suspended the administering of first doses in order to guarantee a second dose to those who have received the initial jab. Again, the Pfizer delays are being blamed. Delivery levels are expected to return to normal by mid-February. The Czech government, meanwhile, has warned that the reduction in vaccine distribution creates what it called huge complications. The head of a social policy think tank says there's been a rise in racism against ethnic minorities here, with some blaming non-Chinese people for a surge in infections in some areas of Kowloon. Shalini Mahtani of the Zubin Foundation said a suggestion this week from a health official that some cultural and social habits of ethnic minority groups may have helped spread the virus has made things worse. We have seen over the last couple of days, for example, a massive delivery company. Many of your uh, listeners would have heard of Deliveroo. One of their customers actually wrote on his, on his or her notes to order their food, no Indian or Pakistani drivers, please. We've also, also heard over the last couple of days that there are more landlords saying no foreigners, no South Asians, no ethnic minorities. Representatives of the bar and karaoke industries are calling on the government to allow them to reopen before Chinese New Year, saying the prolonged closure is making it almost impossible to survive. Businesses say they're willing to cooperate with the government to minimise the risk of transmission, for example by requiring all customers to use the government's Leave Home Safe tracing app. Tommy Cheung is a lawmaker for the catering sector. People still go out. It's just they don't go out to licensed premises. They go up to upstairs bars who doesn't have a license. They would go to upstairs karaoke's that don't have a license. But they still congregate and in fact they won't keep the two or four people per room. They may not be doing the microphones like the karaoke's are doing, each have their own microphone. The new chair of the American Chamber of Commerce, Jessica Bartlett, says there are no signs American businesses are pulling their money out of Hong Kong, despite some reservations about the national security law. She said half the respondents to its business outlook survey were cautiously optimistic about business prospects here in the year ahead. There's not an all-in or an all-out. That's not what's happening. Uh, I think each business is evaluating and to some extent, they're constantly evaluating, what is my China strategy? What is my Hong Kong strategy? What is my Asia strategy? But what I haven't seen, with some exceptions, but so far, we haven't seen mass exits. I think we've seen a lot of investors that remain very keen to be in Asia and to be in Hong Kong. They still have a lot of confidence in the Hong Kong market. And that's a place that they want to continue to invest. They see this region as a growth region. Air accident investigators in Indonesia say they're focusing on their inquiry into the crash of a Sriwijaya airliner 12 days ago on the plane's auto throttle. That's the system that controls engine power automatically. A spokesman for the National Transportation Safety Committee said a problem with the Boeing 737's auto throttle system had been reported after a flight a few days before the crash. The plane's flight data recorder has been recovered, but an underwater search for the cockpit voice recorder is continuing in the Java Sea. 
A Twitter account linked to Iran's supreme leader has posted what appears to be a call for direct revenge against Donald Trump for the assassination last year of Qasem Soleimani. Details from the BBC's Sebastian Usher. The Twitter account in Farsi that bears the name of Ayatollah Khamenei posted late last night an image that is controversial to say the least. It's a photo montage that shows a figure that is unmistakably Donald Trump taking a swing on a golf course with the shadow of a drone above him. The text reads, vengeance is inevitable. That's nothing new from Iran's leadership, which has been threatening revenge ever since Qasem Soleimani was killed in Baghdad a year ago. But in the light of Mr. Trump's permanent suspension from Twitter, it seems likely that it will trigger new calls for the social media network to take action against Ayatollah Khamenei's account. To sport, the Japanese government and the International Olympic Committee have strongly denied a report in a British newspaper that Japan will cancel this year's Tokyo Olympics. The BBC's Rupert Wingfield Hayes reports from Tokyo. The Tokyo Summer Olympics will go ahead as planned on July the 23rd. So says the Japanese government. It says the report in today's Times of London that the games are to be scrapped contains no truth. But the Times story is not the first to cast doubt on the postponed Tokyo Games. Last week a senior government minister here was forced to reverse himself after saying a decision on the games could go either way. And with new Covid cases in Japan now running at over 5,000 a day, public opinion here is solidly against holding the Games this year. With a look ahead to this weekend's football action and the romance of the FA Cup, here's the BBC's Rob Schofield. Only one Premier League fixture this weekend and it's a postponed one. Aston Villa playing catch-up after a coronavirus outbreak at the club, taking on Newcastle, who are winless in nine in all competitions and tumbling down the table. Fourteen other top-flight clubs are in FA Cup action with the tie of the fourth round on Sunday as Manchester United take on an out-of-sorts Liverpool side at Old Trafford. Seven days after their last encounter, Jurgen Klopp's men are without a league win in five games. There are two other all-Premier League ties with Southampton hosting holders Arsenal and Fulham playing Burnley. Under pressure, Chelsea boss Frank Lampard faces a home tie against second division Luton while an entertaining contest beckons between Leicester City and Championship High Flyers Brentford. It's all about the potential upsets, though, in the FA Cup. I'm not sure it'll be Manchester City who get knocked out, although they face an unfamiliar trip to fourth-tier Cheltenham Town as Tottenham travel to Wickham. Premier League strugglers Sheffield United, though, face a tricky tie against third-tier Plymouth Argyle. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Re- residents of Yaomate and Jordan are on edge following reports of a looming lockdown in the COVID-hit area. Authorities confirm another 61 coronavirus cases, 24 of which are residents of Yaochimong district. And RTHK terminates the contract of journalist Nabella Koza as it continues a probe into her conduct. The news from RTHK. <laughs> Rooster, 
Started for the second hour of the late show for this Friday, the 22nd of January 2021, from 1964, the Rolling Stones, Little Red Rooster. I'm Simon Wilson, sitting in for Uncle Ray, the world's most durable DJ. He's staying safe during this current COVID spike. He'll be back as soon as it's safe to return. In the meantime, playing music of the 60s, 70s and 80s for another 12 minutes or so. Then we're going to slow things down with a sort of balance through to one. 